so long. And it's going to burn you. What a play. Wayne Wise makes a catch. What a play by Wise. Mercy. You can doubt the Chiefs. You can dislike the Chiefs. You can disrespect the Chiefs. You're going to have to deal with the Chiefs. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Kingdom City, reclaiming sports journalism for Christ and his kingdom. On this week's episode, the Nuggets and Heat trade blows in Denver. Eric Spolstra tells reporters they're dumb, and the Golden Knights draw first blood. All this and more on Kingdom City. Hello everyone, I'm Ross Harris. Welcome to Kingdom City, joined as always by my partner in crime and someone who definitely shot more free throws than Miami in game one, Gideon Beeler. Gideon, how are you? I'm doing well, Ross. So good to see you, so glad to be recording today. We had an amazing week. It is finally, we have reached the summit of this sports spring season. The NBA Finals have tipped off. The NHL Finals, the puck has dropped. And now we have just two teams remaining in each of these amazing sports that you and I both love to follow and watch and ultimately enjoy. We are about to see the conclusion on these wonderful stories of these seasons that God has written for us. And we get to take it all in and enjoy it. And we must start with the biggest storyline of this moment, of this week. That is the Denver Nuggets in their first ever NBA final versus current mainstay, the Miami Heat in game one. Gideon, tell us what happened here. Man, great way to kick off the NBA finals, Ross. So excited. Soon a champion will be crowned and hopefully... I'm banking it on the Nuggets getting their first ever. But, uh, man, the game one, start, it started off great. Um, the Nuggets played, looked just like the Nuggets. It looked like, you know, that weak rest they had didn't affect them at all. A lot Not of times, a, a lot of that, a lot of rest, you would think, would negatively affect the team. Like mm-hmm. in the, you know, in, in the NFL, like if you have a, a week one bye going into the playoffs, because you're the number one seed, mm. and you rest your starters in the last week of the season, so they have like two weeks of not playing football, a lot of times that team will start off real slow, maybe even lose in that the first game they play. Right. That's what you'd think if one team had, what was it, eight or ten days off? It was a long time. And then the Heat only had three? Right. And then if you're the Nuggets, when you start to see the series in Boston go to 3 nothing, you start preparing for Miami. But then Boston brings it back to 3-3, and you're thinking, oh, wait, who do, do we need to prepare now for Boston, too? So yeah. there, there was a, maybe a mixture of preparation here that might have thrown off the Denver game plan and who they were actually going to be guarding. That's what you would think, right. but the Nuggets came out game one. That train just kept moving, man. They looked really, really good. Uh, Jokic, he had, I think... 10 assists going into half or going in yeah going into halftime yeah he had a double double at halftime right and i only 10 points but the nuggets looked unstoppable man that well-oiled and, machine that michael malone, coach mike malone has developed they're rolling yeah real good and you would think that maybe they played real good defense i don't think they played excellent defense it's just that miami really the story of the game was miami they had the three ball rolling in game seven against the Celtics, mm-hmm. and that did not carry over into Correct. this game, this series with the Nuggets. They shot terribly from beyond the arc, specifically Max Struess. 0 for He's 9. 0 for 9. And and it wasn't like – so one thing that I was worried about, and I, I think I may have mentioned it last week, um, but the Nuggets have so much length on defense. They're huge. And 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 the Miami team is a lot shorter on the guys that are mm-hmm. sh- shooting outside, so you'd expect a lot of... And I saw, I remember I saw one Max Drew shot that, like, he was, it looked like he was wide open, and suddenly Aaron Gordon flew in and was like, bam, smacked the ball. Like, you'd expect it to be a lot of that, and maybe that's why, because we're getting blocked. Right. But Max Drew, he had so many open threes that just, he could not find a rhythm. How many and, points How many points did Max Drew have, Gideon? Do you know? In the whole game? In the whole game. Guess how many points he had. 
two. The same amount you and I had. Ah, he had zero. 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 <laughs> so yeah. we contributed the same. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so what you're saying is I could be in the NBA? Yeah, you can make it. You too. Well, it takes a zero points and missing every shot. <laughs> yeah. I, could, I think I might be able to manage that. <laughs> might luck into one. That's right. Um, but so, yeah, it, it looked. So what was surprising to me was that they looked that bad, and, and, and I expected the way that Miami shot for the Nuggets to this should be a should have been like a 30 point win right mm-hmm. but the one thing that did happen that i pre- expect needed to happen for the for miami to win was bam to play well bam played so good he shot so efficiently effectively took shots that he should be taking when he should be taking when the heat were in their slumps the way they got out of him was from bam getting into the paint and and going to work and he pl- he played a great game and if if he just would have had a little bit support yeah. from beyond the arc I think they would have had a shot at winning because in the fourth quarter there was a time when Miami started to kind of like surge back mm-hmm. um, but Denver qu- cut that short yeah, pretty my, quickly Miami only shot thirty three percent from three in that first game against Struess zero for nine Butler one for two Martin one for two Adebayo zero for one Vincent was five of ten but. Uh, Adebayo probably had the best game out of everybody. He had tw- sure. 26 points, 13 rebounds. But what was his efficiency like? How he what was, was his... but he was still minus six while he was on the floor. Like every every player on Miami was negative. But the thing is, when Bam Adebayo he's going 26 and 13. The problem is his counterpart Jokic went 27, 10, and 14. Mm-hmm. Like that's the You're 14. Just not is... going to slow down Jokic, right? Though. But the, what we'll find out, the 14 assists are pretty relevant for Very. Jokic in this game because um, Jokic and Murray, compi- Jamal Murray, combined for 53 points in this game. Of what they scored. That didn't include what they each assisted on, right? Right. And then you have Murray, who had also 10 assists. Murray was four rebounds away from a triple-double himself. Yeah. And Aaron, uh, Aaron Gordon had 16 points. He started off hot mm-hmm. right from the get-go. Michael Porter Jr. had 14 points. This, this starting lineup of Denver is so well-balanced and so strong and difficult to beat, especially at in Denver, where they have not lost yet mm-hmm. in the postseason. Right. <clears throat> so they came out, win game one, which I expected. I expected Miami's streak of winning game one every series to end because the Nuggets were just... They played too well. So, But there was hope. If I was a Miami Heat fan, there's hope going into game two. Like, if we just get our shot right, if Bam can keep playing... Mm-hmm. Bam doesn't pull like an Anthony Davis here and go, super streaky, right? Yeah, roller coaster game. Like, oh, twenty nine points and then twelve. <clears throat> and Jimmy didn't play great in the first game either. No, he did not at yeah, all. I th- what did he finish with? Fourteen points or something like that. He um, he only finished with thirteen. Thirteen points. points. Yeah. So come on, playoff Jimmy. But you only lost. What was the final score of the game, Russ? They lost by eleven. Eleven. That's mm-hmm. not a blowout. Mm-hmm. That's more than you'd like, right? That's probably that was. That was uh, above what the bet. The, I think the line was eight and a half. Mm-hmm. So um, above the line, but well, that's not a. I, the way they played, if you look at the all the stats we just talked mm-hmm. about, you'd think they lost right there. Right. And the one stat we alluded to in the intro, but didn't actually go into. Denver shot twenty free throws in this game. Miami shot two. Set a record. It was the lowest. Fewest amount of free throws attempted in a playoff game in NBA history, and the fewest free throw attempts for the Miami Heat in franchise history. Every game the Miami Heat's ever played, they've shot more than two free throws. Right. So uh, you can, that can't happen in the NBA. You can't shoot two free throws. You can't. You can't not have the the easy ones. Right. We're not saying make two free throws. Right. They only attempted, attempted two free yes. throws. So, but. You you get that sense when you look at how much they shot the three, right? Mm-hmm. They're not going into the paint. Mm-hmm. They're settling for outside shots, and they just were not hitting them. Right, right. So the Denver wins game one, like they have every game, this, every series, this postseason, and then comes game two. Yeah. Now, what is Coach Spolstra going to do to handle this team? So the Nuggets seem to be in control. In game two, yeah, they seem to be running like same as before, same as they've done every game mm-hmm. with uh, being being home. Again, they were undefeated at home le- coming into the series, and now, wait a minute, the third quarter rolls around, the Heat are starting to claw back. Fourth quarter comes around, the Heat make 
a massive surge. And you could see Denver starting to get frustrated with the way Miami was playing. There were a few controversial decisions made about uh, possession changes when balls went out of bounds. Mm -hmm. You could see Jokic was starting to get frustrated. And you could look at the stat sheet again like we we see Jokic had 41 points, 11 rebounds, and we mentioned this before, we alluded to it, but four assists. Mm. Four assists. So getting to talk about this, how but this is the second time Jokic has had a monster game scoring this postseason, and they've lost. Talk, talk us through what's going on there. Uh, it's, it's interesting because normally when your superstar on the team is scoring the most points and up w- – w- Normally, when your superstar scores forty or more points, if like the ratio of when my superstar scores forty more points to a W mm-hmm. versus an L is significantly on the W side, right? Yeah. But with these Nuggets, when their superstar, who's not pr- primarily a scoring superstar, I mean, he still averages twenty some a game, mm-hmm. right? Twenty five a game, but he's normally not putting up these forty points. But when he does, it's when they lose. Like it's a sign that the rest of the team isn't doing what they need. And, it, and Jokic is going to try to put him on his back and carry him. Now, they normally don't lose bad. So, like, he keeps them in the game. They're not. He's not scoring 40, and they're getting blown out by 20. Like, this was a close game. They only lost by three points. But his primary, what separates him and what makes him a one of the best and most unique players of all time is not his scoring. We've had tons of people who could score the ball great. It's his position that he plays his ability to facilitate and get his teammates scoring that makes him who he is right which is what's going to set him make him an all-time great is he'll be the greatest passing center of all time right right? at seven plus feet right and so and and in the flow of the game the way that looks is the defense is now having to respect and maybe not maybe not collapse in on Jokic as fast maybe not um Maybe maybe not leave a guy a little bit open if mm-hmm. it to assist on some defense if Jokic is passing and getting his teammates going right. We talked about basketball as a, a momentum game, a game of rhythm, right? Mm-hmm. So if Jokic is able to get other guys in rhythm and get them to be the hot hand, it forces the defense to now have to worry about those guys, not leave Michael Porter open in the corner because hey. He just made the last three that he took in the corner. Stop leaving him up in the corner, right? Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And speaking of Michael Porter Jr., great game one. He had 16 points, I believe, in game one. Game two, though, he only shot two for eight from the field. Five points yeah. in 26 minutes of action compared to uh, – then you had Jamal Murray, only 18 points. And then Contavious Caldwell-Pope, one for four. Yes, you're, you have a better roster than Miami – but if you're still only going to shoot, what, 39% from three, and only one, you're, see, Jokic scored 41 points. The rest of the entire team scored 67 points. Mm-hmm. I think that's not going to cut it. This isn't the 90s NBA anymore right. where Jordan could score like 43 points, half his team's points, and they could get a win 88 to 80. Right. Like it, it, The NBA just doesn't work like that anymore. And you compare that with the starters for Miami – you had Jimmy Butler, who had 21 points. Adebayo, another 21 points. Gabriel Vincent, 23. Max Struess, who had zero in game one. He had 14 points in mm-hmm. this game. And Duncan Robinson put in another 10 off the bench. Kyle Lowry put in nine off the bench. The, the, my, not only did Miami shoot better, their, their three-point percentage went from 33% in game one to 48.5% in game two. And their bench is rolling deeper than the Nuggets is right now. And and we talked about free throws. Miami shot two in game one. Miami shot 20. So an in interesting two. point in that and going along with you, where you mentioned earlier when we started game two, the the calls going Miami's way on like mm-hmm. the, the out of bounds. Something that we probably don't think about but happens. Refs and, and the NBA as a whole, they watch tape mm-hmm. and break down how the games were called. Mm-hmm. Just like the players do, right? Yeah. But for different reasons. Not how did we play, how do we win, but how did we call the game? Was it, did we do a good job, right? Mm-hmm. So when you see a discrepancy like a team only attempting two free throws, that means you only called one foul against that team. One shooting foul. And as much as... So you- 
the, I guarantee you there was a call made yeah. by Adam Silver or whoever's in charge of refereeing yep. at the NBA and said, that can't happen again. As much we as We don't want that record broken. Right. As much as we don't want to admit it, and as much as we don't want to believe it's true in sports, makeup calls are real. hundred percent. They are 100% real because any team that has ever been hosed by a ref early in a game, there is some egregious call made later that is definitely a phantom out of thin air call. Right. The refs are human. Yes. And they feel that they know that if they've made a bad call, they have to stick by it because they made the call. They can't be wavering. They can't be letting the players mm-hmm. argue and, and make them change a call that was already made, right? Mm-hmm. But they can do something like that and, and dream up a call. Mm-hmm. That happens all the time because they're humans. They, yep. they we try to treat them like they're supposed to be robots and they're just right. supposed to be like, here's the rule book and and um What's the word I'm looking for? And, and basically referee according to this rule book exactly and mm-hmm. just be a robot. Mm-hmm. But that they're humans, you know. Right. They're gonna make a call and then feel bad. Right. And be like, ah, oh, I got I feel like I gotta make up for that, you know. Yep. I gotta atone for that one. Right. And we all have those moments when we're watching a game and we see a call, an egregious call go against the team our team is playing against. And it's almost like the sword of Damocles hanging over our team. We know later in the game, at some crucial moment, that bogus call is going to come, and we're all going to be like, "Ooh, this is payback!" But I hate this. <laughs> like, oh, that was a bad call, but you know, all right, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we have to talk about the Nuggets. They have now lost for the first time at home this entire postseason. Yep. The Miami has now stolen home field advantage. That's the one game. That's bolsters worth right there. Yep. I told you. Yep. The, the head coaching advantage is worth one game. Mm-hmm. And they got it on the road. So now it's a series, right? They always say the series doesn't start. This team wins on the road. Now it's a series, Ross. So we had this moment come up where I, I alluded to it in the intro where Spolstra accused some of the coach Eric Spolstra accused some of the reporters that they have um, some deficiencies when <laughs> they watch uh, NBA games. And he was asked a question by um, one of the journalists, Ramona Shelburne, who is a phenomenal reporter. She writes great articles, great NBA coverage. Um, she asked a question to Coach Eric Spolstra, and I, I just want to play this clip for you guys so you can <laughs> you can hear this right yourself because <laughs> this was wild. It's probably oversimplifying things, but sometimes when when teams play against Jokic, you you turn him into a scorer, you turn him into a passer, and he controls the game. You, he only had four assists tonight. Yeah, that, that's ridiculous. You know, it's just that's the untrained eye that that says something like that. This guy's an incredible player. You know, twice in two seasons he's been the best player on this planet. You can't just say. <laughs> Oh, make him a score. <laughs> That's not how they play. They they have so many different actions that just get you compromised. Uh, we have to focus on what we do. Um, you know, we try to do things the hard way, um, and he requires you to do many things the hard way. Uh, and we he has our full respect. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Coach. Okay, so so Solstra does, and you see this often happen in. Soccer with soccer managers mm-hmm. that in Europe, honesty is they are, they are very honest with the, their criticisms of officials, with their criticisms of reporters. Like they will come right out and say, "Yes, we know the referee made a terrible call today." Mm. And and but they criticize the reporters too. If oh they yeah, make, if they ask dumb questions. Oh yeah, like it's pretty pretty uh, brutal. Some of the criticisms these managers have, and. Um, they're just allowed to get away with more over there. And sometimes I wish that the coaches were allowed to, I wish the coaches were allowed to be more honest without getting fined about, so like to be critical of, Hey, um, commissioner, you did not handle this right. Or uh, the officials, look, we all know they made the wrong call. They need to make this right. They should, I feel like they, they should be allowed to do those things publicly. I think the fans would like that, you know? Yeah. Um, now, obviously, officials must be respected. Officials must also be respectable. For sure. Um, we know that a few years ago when they had the um, the uh, backup referees officiating some of the games in the NFL, we all remember what a terrible time that was mm-hmm. and how difficult it was to be a fan when we had the 
um, Kroger uh, referees <laughs> taking care of things. Um, and we, no one wants to go back to that. We need referees. That's part of why I don't watch MLS because the referees are just hor- you, they're usually awful. Really? Yeah. Just interesting. It's just so unwatchable. Like they miss calls. Yeah. Or they make bad ones. Just, they just a lot of them just don't understand the flow of soccer sometimes and. and um, or, or like they, there are almost egregious, clear, hard, way too reckless challenges made on a field, and they don't call anything. Hmm. Like, just please, either get rid of the reckless challenges, or let the game just play. Then, and then, or they, anyway, all that to say, Spolstra brings up a great point here because when I, as casual NBA fan number two, am watching the NBA, and I'm like, dude, why are you standing there? What's going on? Just block your man. And here I'm trying to understand the complex zone defense that Miami is trying to execute. Effectively execute. Effectively. I might, I might say. Right. Effectively execute. And like, I'm still a stooge when it comes to NBA. Like, I have not been a, a, a fervent watcher of the game. And so I... Comments like this from Eric Spolstra are really helpful to remind me, like, I don't actually know what I'm talking about right. when I watch this. And I kind of need to check my attitude mm-hmm. when I watch the game. And I need to um, realize you're not you don't you're not the know it all. You don't know everything. Right. Or especially as a guy like you and I who host a podcast that we can't be coming on here and just saying whatever we um, we can't just be calling out people when they might actually be executing the game plan that the coach told them to do mm-hmm. for a good reason. Because right. like when I coached soccer, I had parents sign agreements saying that they would not give coaching from the sideline because I might have told their player to do a specific thing that needs to happen in this particular game. And if the parent is yelling, no, Johnny, move up, move up, and, th- and th- they could s- scupper the whole game plan hmm. because they're trying to coach from the sidelines. Interesting. So, and it was super effective. And our parents, bless them, they cheered, and that was it. They didn't. They did not yell instructions once from the sidelines. Mm. Super helpful. My so. dad would never have signed that. <laughs> ever. <laughs> was your dad a uh, very vocal? Oh yeah, my dad got thrown out of a few wrestling tournaments <laughs> for bad calls. For sure. I can, you know, I can see your dad doing that. My dad got thrown out of a wrestling tournament by my own coach. That's crazy. Story. Your your dad your dad's a from what I know of your dad he's quite an intense fellow. Mm-hmm. I would love to get to know him better. <laughs> I feel like he and I would get along pretty well. You would. <clears throat> so anyway, all that to say, watch the games well, and we when when Gideon and I at least I can say for myself when with my family my focus is on enjoying the games when I watch them with my family and teaching my son how to enjoy sports and just a, be a good watcher. Of yeah. the game, and not a uh, um, my team can do no wrong. What are they doing? Not just like the, the constant whining and complaining that comes with a lot of sports fans. We so, want to stay away from. Right. So, like I, Nemo's not at the age where I can really. He likes to watch sports, and I can like teach him through it. But I, when I watch sports, I learn how to how to properly do things from the professionals. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like I'll watch it and be like, oh, like I, it was never. I never played basketball. I was never coached to play basketball or anything like that. But, like, pick up basketball. Most people are pretty surprised with what I can do by playing basketball. And yeah. it literally was just for me watching yeah. basketball and going, oh, I, I'll give that a try. Oh, I'll give that a try. Oh, I'll give that a try. And just trying it, you know? You tore up the like, trampoline park at uh, your kid's birthday. Oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, I, uh, I, when Nemo gets to that age... We'll watch sports and I, you know, pause it and be like, hey, watch this. Watch what they do here. See, this is how mm-hmm. you do that. So when you go out, you try it. Do that. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. And it's it's important for us to communicate. Um, it's important to communicate how we. It's important for us to communicate how we enjoy the game honestly with our kids to appreciate the talent and that what goes on in the game will not control our joy, right. will not control our um, anger. It will not affect our, our disposition throughout the week. 
right um before every we before game especially as christians like we need to set an example and not show up to work monday after a chiefs game after they Blues. blew blew their after they blew a late game fumble to the bengals in the regular season and lost the game they should have won we can't show up on monday and be like why are we here today right this my devotion to this sports team dictates my joy more than my devotion to god right right so it's also a good, it's also a good learning like watching sports with your kids is a good chance to talk about teaching them like there's a good chance to teach them things about life yeah. and there's so many things in sports that um will teach kids things that they need to learn especially young boys like look at that guy completely lost control of himself mm-hmm. that grown man mm-hmm. lost complete control of himself and threw a temper tantrum right on the court or on the field look at that like get some sideline footage of Antonio Brown in a football game. Oh, my gosh. You're like, look, Nemo, this is how men who don't know how to control themselves act. Mm -hmm. Like, look at this. Yeah. It's like when we watch any movie, like, and we ask our kids, okay, which character do you want to be like? Right. Which one one should you want to be like? And we just have to point out normal, who's the hero, who's the villain? And um, so getting back to the, getting back to all this, Defending <laughs> what Spolstra said about defending Jokic, like he is too good to be a to just make him something by your yeah. game plan, right? But, just make him a passer, right? Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. Or just make him a score. Um, easier said than done, right? Bec- when it's like saying, uh, just make Steve Nash just a passer, like he could do both. Yeah. And or make let's just make LeBron James a shooter, like okay, try denying him getting to the basket, right? So anyway, all that to say, it's like, would you rather me just like let him like the only way you could let someone only be a scorer is to just not guard him and just let him mm-hmm. go and score? Like, there you go, he yeah. scored. All right, now it's our turn to try. Right, and ultimately, all your game plan and everything is only as good as how the guys are shooting that night. Because you can only do so much defense on Steph Curry. Right. Because if the basket is the size of the ocean for him, <laughs> it just happens to be that night where the basket or he just cannot miss. There's no amount of game plan that you're going to be able to do to keep him from getting his. Right. And this is just one of those nights where Denver's players, their their role players, were not their their shots weren't falling. Just like in game 1, Max Struess, his shots weren't falling and Miami was able to capitalize on it and take advantage and again, there is a 18 18 free throw disparity from game 1 to game 2. That ended up being just ultimately a 3-point win for the Heat. These little things matter, mm-hmm. and they can't just be something as simple as, "Oh, well, we converted this guy into a shooter, score, shooter right. passer." <clears throat> so I definitely agree with you. I think something also interesting to notice from the game, like like Jamal Murray, needs to be the primary scorer. Mm-hmm. I think that the Denver offense runs better when Jamal Murray is the primary scorer, and it's not relying on Jokic as much. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Is is Murray becoming like prime Clay Thompson? Is he beca- like? Is that what we're seeing develop here? Mm, well, tell me what you mean by that. So, like, is he is he the guy who he won't be the number one like threat, but he's an excellent number two threat. If that makes sense. Yes. So, like, uh, in that way, in that vein, yes, that's what Jamal Murray is. Yeah, that's what he should be considered. He's a superstar. You know. Mm-hmm. Now it's interesting because Denver came in. Is the only team in NBA history to ever reach a final with, um, or maybe it's Jokic becomes the only player. I can't remember. He's the only one who's made an All Star game. Mm. So they don't have two people on their team who right. have made an All Star who are All Stars. Yeah, Jamal Murray's like playing like one. It seems mm-hmm. like he should be one, but yeah, he's never made it. Maybe that's because of the injury, right? And he was out for a while. Mm. But he probably, if he had not got injured, he probably would be up to this point. I think people are finally starting to see how good Jamal Murray is. I feel like he could develop into being a one, like if he was on his own team, mm-hmm. be the number one guy, right? Yeah. But if he's smart, I think he stays with Jokic as long as he possibly can. Yeah. That's what I would do. Because he can be the number one scorer. Yes. Which is what most people want to be. Right. Sp- score the most points, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. That <laughs> tends to be the most fun. Unless you're Jason Kidd and somehow just want to get 28 assists a game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or Jokic, right? Right. Jokic doesn't care about the, st- the right. stat sheet. He stuffs the stat sheet, but he doesn't care about it. Right. He just wants to win. So, uh, game three in Miami, mm-hmm. what, what, are your, what are your predictions? What needs to happen? What should we look out for? What, what, what do you think the Nuggets adjustment is here? 
do they need to make an adjustment? No. Yeah, I wouldn't either. I don't think so. Yeah. I think if you op- you, you might over-adjust if you try to make an adjustment. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, if I was Mike Malone, I'd just be like, guys, continue to play the way we're playing. Mm-hmm. Continue to, to execute the way we're executing. There's going to be a game where the shots don't fall. Yeah. that's That happens, and mm-hmm. we only lost by three. Yeah. Good job, guys. And the thing, they had they, Denver had 13 turnovers. If they clean up maybe four of those, we're talking about a completely different game. The only thing I would say is, the the only part I would focus on as a coach would be that fourth quarter. Like, yeah, you can't you can't lose a game on the home in the fourth quarter when you have the lead going into the quarter. Yeah, you can't lose by eleven points in the fourth quarter. You can't all, suddenly switch to the Celtics yeah. mindset and be, we don't want to be the guy that screws it up because then you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, and I don't expect that to happen from this team. I expect Denver to put the pedal on the the foot on the gas again. Denver should win Game Three. Yeah, completely agree. My opinion. Completely agree. Let's transition to the NHL. And let's talk about Las Vegas, the Golden Knights. The puck dropped, I believe it was Saturday night in game one Mm -hmm. against the Panthers. Gideon, I have a question for you. I have an answer. How many goals did Carolina score in the entire series against the Florida Panthers in their four-game loss to the Panthers? Mm. I think they scored two the first game. No, no, no. It was one. It went into overtime, 1-1, right? Quadruple overtime. Yeah, that one, that one was a 4-3 game. That one ended up 4-3. It was? Yeah. Game one? Yeah, it was. Yep. Okay. Yep. How many goals did they score? Just guess. Seven. They scored six in the entire series. Vegas ends up winning game one 5-2. So Vegas almost outscores Carolina in the entire series in one game. And you said they were the better Carolina. I week. did say they were the better Carolina. Now, four of those goals were scored on Bob Robski. The fifth one was scored on an empty net late in the game, so I don't count that one against Bob. Okay. But Vegas's attack was led by five different goal scorers. All, all five goals were scored by different players. That's what you want. Yes. That seems like a winning formula to me. Exactly. And you had Jack Eichel showing up twice on the stat sheet. Again, he is the superstar of the Golden Knights. He needs to show up, and he's setting up plays. And then you had Marcia so, who is my pick to win the be the series MVP. He also got on the score sheet and um, ended up scoring. It was the tying goal, but he wasn't the game winner, but he ended up scoring the tying goal. Um, and the what was killing the Panthers, what has saved them this entire postseason run of theirs, this magic run that will become a movie, according to Gideon. <laughs> what, if the Panthers win. If the Panthers win. But what has saved them is that they've been smart with their penalty minutes, and they've been smart with not making mistakes. So game one, the Panthers did no favors to Bobrovsky as they gave Vegas seven power plays throughout the game. Seven, seven power plays. All right. Now that's just something that the Panthers haven't done all postseason. Now some of them should have been called more against the Panthers earlier mm, in the postseason. So what is this spicy? Is this refereeing crew calling things a little bit different now against the Panthers? Make I don't know. Make up for the maybe. I hope it's not. I hope it's not. But that. It, but seven power plays is an anomaly. Um. For a lot of these, for both of these, it's a losing formula. It's a definitely, it's a losing formula. Absolutely. So, but what did I say coming into this series is Aiden Hill, their goal, the Vegas goaltender, he's not as good as white hot Bobrovsky. I don't think many goaltenders are, except for like prime Ken Dryden in the 70s. But I said Aiden Hill is a great goaltender, but what's key about Vegas and has been this entire series is they lead the league in block shots by their defenders. And what happened in game one? Again, 16 to 11, they led the game in block shots, shots that never even made it to Aiden Hill's body. Wow. So they're, they're sacrificing. Who are their defenders? They have um, uh, Petrangelo is one of their main defenders who won a Stanley Cup with the St. Louis Blues a few years ago. Because what are the, why you look that up, what are the positions in hockey? I think we mentioned this so, before. Uh, the offensive positions, so like the, the three-person lines mm-hmm. are center, right, left wing, and right wing, and then two defensemen. And then the goaltenders. Those are historically the positions. So their main defensemen are um, you have uh, Brandon McNabb, Alex Petrangelo, Shea Theodore, and Zach Whitecloud. Those are kind of their main guys on the on the defenseman side. And uh, McNabb scored a goal. Yeah, and and right? yeah, and Zach Whitecloud put in a goal as well. So does Shea Theodore. So two of their or sorry, three of their oh, defenders. No, McNabb did not score a goal. Two two of their defenders are contributing not just on the defensive side, but on the offensive end as well. Um, and Petrangelo is just a great, like, 
veteran presence that just keeps things together, except for when he's not double-handed tomahawking <laughs> Leon Dreisaitl <laughs> in round one of the playoffs for some reason. But anyway, then the the Vegas um, offensive the, their offensive lines are just so well balanced as well because you have between uh, Jack Eichel, you have Barbashev, you have Howden, you have Carlson Stevenson. These guys are comp- com- contributing meaningful minutes, and all of that is anchored by anchored by their great captain. Uh, Mark Stone, who is just one of the greatest leaders in the game right now. The guy had back surgery like a week before the playoffs, and he's still playing. Crazy. Like, is he like an older guy? Yeah, he's he... he's in his 30s. He's one of their right wings. So he's been around the league for yeah, a while. Yeah, but Mark Stone and uh, Marcia So on the right wing, those two are those two are contributing such quality minutes wow. to the Golden Knights right now. Now. <clears throat> is the center just quick question for yeah. me? Understanding. Yeah, yeah. Is the center the primary goal scorer? Typically, yes. Okay. So like they, they're the guy that goes like by the the net and mm-hmm. waits for like rebounds. Mm-hmm. They're like that's where you score most of the goals. My understanding, like guys shoot it like gets defended or gets blocked, and then it kind of like and then there's this like scramble, and then bam, the puck goes in. And you're like, where's the where, where? right? So um, so like uh, Connor McDavid, he's a center. Um, Austin Matthews, he's a center. So a lot of these high goal scoring what about players. The well, who's the Panthers guy? Kachuk, is he the center? Matthew Kachuk. Uh, he, I believe, I'm pretty sure he is. Um, sorry to put you on the spot. No, Ross. you're fine. You're fine. It's good. Uh, no, sorry. He is a left wing. Okay. He's a left wing. So he plays the same position as Alex Ovechkin, if you know his name. Oh, Ovechkin, yeah. yes. So, he's the second leading scorer, second all time scorer in yeah. NHL history. Yeah, yeah. So they play a similar position. Um, so the centermen need to be extremely tough. They need to be extremely brave because, like you said, they're standing in front of the goalie right by the edge of the crease, and they're getting deflections mm-hmm. in on the goaltender. Deflections, that's what it's called. Yeah. My bad. So redirecting those shots. I said rebounds. <laughs> You're good. Hey, sometimes it, hit, sometimes it hits the goaltender and rebounds back, and they just tip it in. So some of those things happen too. But like it's like they always say, like uh, just throw the puck at the net and good things happen. So true of any, true of soccer, true of hockey. Um, so Vegas has exerted a little bit of muscle here. They're showing that they're not afraid of the Panthers' toughness right now. And they're able to absorb that toughness and actually respond with great offensive pressure as well. Like they're up again, they they won five two. Those things don't just happen. And they were and three of those were in the third period. Right. The game was tied going to the third period. Right. It was tied going to the third period. Two of them were while Bobrovsky was still on the ice. So the, the third one was an empty netter again with like little time left in the game. But they were able to do what other teams have not been able to do in the third period against this Panthers team, and that is finish them off. Be- when it was 2-2 going into the third, I was like, oh, here we go. Exactly. Panthers are going to win. Because were, we were all expecting, okay, Carter Verhage, uh, Sam Reinhardt, or Matthew Kachuk, they're going to find a way to get that gritty goal that they've always been getting every single game since <laughs> Bobrovsky has come in. But it didn't happen. In fact, instead of one of those guys, it was Zach Whitecloud, the defenseman, who ended up putting the goal in from the blue line to put the game to ultimately put the game away. So, And then Mark Stone... Oh, sorry, to put to give the Golden Knights the lead, and then Mark Stone tipped a puck out of the air uh, that was being cleared in the um, Vegas offensive zone. He tips a puck out of the air to himself and puts it right side above uh, Bobrovsky's glove side. So is this, you mentioned with the seven power plays, right? Yeah. Just so much pressure on Bobrovsky. Yes. Is this loss on his shoulders? No. Is it on the team's shoulders? Do you think this loss, I'm interested in your opinion, do you think this loss like kind of demotivates Bobrovsky, like no. like puts him down in the dumps and so he plays worse? Or do you think this motivates him to be like, you know what, I don't even care if they, we get nine power plays. They're not going to score. Like, do you think he elevates from this point or or comes down? So what we saw from, if, if anything, I think, because when he lost to the Toronto Maple Leafs 2-1 to one, in game four of the second round, he came right back and played better than he in, than he did in that loss. I think he held them to one goal in the game after that. Now, I, I, I generally don't put lost games on goaltenders in hockey or in soccer. Because hmm. in soccer, especially, the defenders' jobs are to block the shots. If the defenders are not blocking the shots, typically the goal... When I coached, I always told them my, the, the goaltender's job is to never do his job. 
Um, he, he the, the defenders should never let a shot get to the goal. If a shot gets to the goaltender, the defenders did not do their jobs. Wow, that's I mean, so that's 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 my that was my standard. I wouldn't want to be a defender <laughs> being coached by Coach Harris. But but with that, I also told the, the strikers on the field who were the the strikers were the main goal scorers. Mm-hmm. I also told them they were the first line of defense. If they let if because it, it starts with them. If they are not pressuring the ball and letting the ball get easily past them, that hurts the midfield, which hurts the div- defense, which hurts the goaltender. Mm-hmm. So it, it doesn't just, it's not just their job. It's everybody's job from position yeah. one. And in, in soccer, it's harder to blame it on the goalie because they have so like in hockey, their entire body covers the whole net. Like, come on, man, block yeah. the shot. A goalie in soccer, if they block one, I'm like, holy smokes, this yeah. guy's amazing. Yeah, this uh, soccer goal is eight feet by 24 feet. It's huge. <laughs> um, but <clears throat> all that to say, uh, again, Vegas blocked 16 of the 34 shots, uh, or the 35 shots that were sent their way. So they ended up, um, Aiden Hill only ended up needing to save 19 shots. Which is okay. not a lot. Not a lot at all. So, but then you look at Bobrovsky, they only blocked 11. The defenders only blocked 11 of those shots of his. So he still had to end up saving 23 of them. Mm. And he let in four, which is. Un- that still doesn't seem like a lot of shots on Golden it, It's not. And it's very uncharacteristic of him. But these shots, a lot of them were glove side on Bobrovsky, which is where he has struggled, where he has typically struggled to put, to block high goals, high glove side. Interesting. So they have. So you think the Golden Knights are aware of this and they are attacking that intentionally or was it just like the, so, the way the, the puck landed? So every team has known about it. This is just a historically true thing sure, about it. around for a long time. But the, the Panthers have not been able to disrupt the Golden Knights shots the way they were able to disrupt the Panthers and stuff. And, mm-hmm. and, other things. and sometimes with the Hurricanes and with the Maple Leafs at times, some of the shots were one inch or two inches away from going into the goal against mm-hmm. Bobrovsky. And so... Like I, it's like I said, coming into this, it's a game of inches, and sometimes that other shoe just drops. And some, the pucks that were just going your way all the time, like with the Minnesota Vikings last season when they had a negative point differential and won 13 games, event, and were I think they were 10-1 and one in one-score games. No, they were undefeated. Oh, undefeated in one-score games. Like yeah. Those things don't just keep happening. Eventually, the magic runs out. And it's in the playoffs. Exactly. Exactly. So again, this is only game one. Florida could very well turn it around in game two, but they've stolen home home ice in every single round so far. So I fully expect game two to be a low scoring game. Mm. Um, I would expect like a two to two to one or a three two incoming. Interesting. And you think Florida will win? Or you think- I, I think Florida wins game two. Interesting. Um, they, th- th- Paul Maurice will get those boys going. <laughs> he's he's too good of a coach. So anyway, this is only the second time the Panthers have lost with Bobrovsky and goal in this entire postseason run. Once to Toronto and once to the Golden Knights. Wow, he is eleven and two in the playoffs right now. So it's a good record. Again, I'm banking on that for this rebuttal from the Panthers to carry them in Game Two. So I completely expect that to go that way. And Game Two is in tonight. It's yeah. I was gonna say it's in an hour and a half from when we're recording. Yeah, puck drops in an hour and a half. Yep. Gideon, let's get to some quick hits. This is a, a bit of a shorter episode, but there's not a lot going on this week. Let's get to some quick hits. The Buffalo Bills have broken ground on a new stadium. Gideon, they, really? They are leaving Highmark Stadium in 2026. They broke ground on a 1.54 billion dollar stadium on Orchard Park. They, they officially got their construction vehicles, and they expect to be moving into their new stadium grounds in 2026, and I believe it will have a retractable roof to cover some of the cold weather games Ooh, that might be happening. That there. might be in, not in their favor. I don't, so that means the Super Bowl is coming. Right. I, I think ultimately that's what the NFL will be shifting to as a whole with every stadium one day is getting a retractable roof so that they can every, every stadium can host a Super Bowl. But I... I hope not because I, I don't want the Chiefs to ever leave Arrowhead. They will. I know. They will someday. But what will be interesting is what happens when if they if Lambeau starts to get moved around or if the team leaves Lambeau. Dangerous. Yeah. But here here's what I think would be cool. I, I don't know if the teams are allowed to. I think it would be cool. So you get the retractable roof for the ability to host the Super Bowl. Yeah. 
But during the season, you could choose n- to leave it open to mm-hmm. let the weather come. Yeah. If it gives you an advantage. You know what I'm saying? Like if Miami's coming up to Buffalo for a playoff game, they're used to the hot weather mm-hmm. in Miami. I want, and I'm used to practicing in the cold and snow, so yeah. I want the cold and snow in my favor. That's what I would. Well, wow, I think that'd be cool if they could do that. I don't know have, if they can. I don't know if the NFL's rules on that. And you have Josh Allen, who has a can't a howitzer for an arm. Like he <laughs> can throw through the cold weather; it doesn't even matter. Right. So I, I don't know what they're going to do, but I, I'm hoping that it, it's a great, as great of an environment as Old Highmark Stadium was. Good for Bills Mafia. Yeah, good for Bills Mafia. They deserve it. Moving on, the Chiefs, the Kansas City Chiefs, for their Super Bowl victory, have visited the White House today and paid a visit to President Joe Biden. No, hopefully that was a enjoyable time, and uh, hopefully they don't stay there long. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully Joe knew who they were and could remember them. Yes. <laughs> Say, wait, who's this? Right. <laughs> um, he probably watched him in Super Bowl Four. He's probably like, he's like, here's Len Dawson. He's like, oh, Lenny, <laughs> Lenny, good to see you again. <laughs> um, anyway. Uh, other unfortunate news for the Chiefs, uh, Norma Hunt, wife of the late founder of the Chiefs, Lamar Hunt, passed away Sunday. Thoughts and prayers to the Hunt family, and I know uh, they are a very tight-knit group, so hopefully uh, Clark and his family will navigate this well. Thoughts and prayers to them. Yes, for sure. Going back to the Buffalo Bills, they have signed 2022 Super Bowl champ Leonard Floyd to a one-year deal. This is a pretty significant addition to their defense as they add um, Von Miller, former Ram, his former teammate, Leonard Floyd, from their Super Bowl victory year. This is going to be a one-year deal that uh, probably takes them out of the DeAndre Hopkins sweepstakes now that they've used this money, which was... They were out already. Right. But this um, is just another reliable linebacker to add to their core, which they are going to use... um, as they continue to try and take down Joe Burrow and try to get to Patrick Mahomes, so as they can, they're, they're just trying to bolster that and see what uh, Brandon Bean is always going to be making moves to, mm-hmm. to as their window continues to close at record speed. Moving on to the NBA, the Boston Celtics have added Sam Castle to their coaching staff, the 15-year NBA veteran of an NBA champion with the 2008 Boston Celtics, has been added and. Uh, the former Clippers player as well, but he'll be added to their coaching staff. It'll be good for uh, Joe Mazzula to get a veteran player, veteran presence yep. to add to that staff. Hopefully someone the guys respect. Yeah. Um, I'd trust Brad Smart to, or Brad Stevens to add a good player, a good good yep. veteran move there. So then moving on to the NHL, the Anaheim Ducks have hired Greg Cronin as their new head coach. He was the... Uh, Colorado Avalanche's AHL affiliate coach, and this will be his first stint as a head coach in the NHL at the age of 60. He had also previously coached with the New York Islanders. Age of 60? Age of 60. Um, He had also coached with the New York Islanders AHL affiliate in Bridgeport. He now replaces Dallas Eakins, who was dismissed after four seasons, and in his Eakins' final campaign, the Ducks finished with a record of 23 47 and 12 which is yes the worst in the nhl last season staying in hockey one of our one of the great young talents in the nhl cole caulfield a great player for the montreal Canadiens. he reached an eight year 63 million dollar mega deal with the most storied franchise in hockey history the 24 time stanley cup champions i believe he has 24 times. 24 times. Stanley Cup The Canadians. Yes. Um, so, Caulfield, great young player, uh, rising talent. There was talk that he might be on the move um, bef- without getting this contract signed, but in Montreal was able to get the money done and get this key piece in place as they seek a return to prominence that they have not had in some time. Moving on to baseball. Albert Pujols has been named special assistant to Major League Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred. Hmm. My wife's definitely favorite player, Albert Pujols, the massive Cubs fan that she is, is a (laughs) massive fan of Albert Pujols. But we always love to see when the Kansas City native is doing well once again. Moving over to soccer, the legend, the man, the myth, 
Zlatan Ibrahimovic retires from football after the final game of AC Milan in the Italian League. Gideon, do you know anything about Zlatan Ibrahimovic? Other than that his name's hard to pronounce, no. So he is a Swedish striker. He has some of the greatest uh, interviews with reporters. He refers to himself in the third person. When oh, <laughs> that guy. <laughs> that guy. I know exactly what you're talking about now. Yeah, when asked by a reporter one time uh, what he got his wife for her birthday, he said once, what does she need? She has Latin. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, this guy is a... Uh, um, All about himself? If, if Egotistical? A, if a lion was a human being, it would be this guy. <laughs> um, he, he is famous for scoring some of the most incredible goals in soccer history. Um, look up his bicycle kick goal against England sometime when you get a chance. It is wild. He scores a bicycle kick from about 35 yards away from the goal. That means nothing to me as a as a as soccer. Okay, just look noob. it up. Look at you have to look it up. It's it is the most incredible thing I've ever seen in soccer. Really, it's it's wild. I, it, I there will never be a goal like it ever again. Like he hit it well, or someone flubbed and it happened to go in. Or yes, yes to everything. <laughs> But just the audacity to try that shot. But anyway, he scores. Uh, sorry, he retires this year from uh, football. He ends it with a uh, tally of 561 goals scored for club and country over the course of his career, playing, I believe, 23 years professionally. Wow! Um, great player. He played in. Um, he played in the Italian league. He played in the Netherlands. He played in the English league. He played in. The Spanish League, and he played in MLS as well. For he a played in MLS? Yeah. He played for MLS for a few seasons and won a championship with the LA Galaxy, I believe, when he was here. But Does MLS count for your career goals? Yes. Yep. It is a professional league. and But um, he has, notoriously, he has won a league title everywhere he has ever played in his career, except for England. Wow. So Who did he play for? You know, Manchester United when he was in England. But... Again, he's one of the most successful, one of the most decorated, and one of the most um, incredible players to ever play the game. Good job, Latan. Yes, he was. Latan, however you Zlatan Ibrahimovic. So, kudos to him. Liverpool closed in on a deal for Argentine midfielder Alexis McAllister. He is one of the standout players, the 24-year-old standout for Brighton and Hove Albion this season in England. Uh, as Liverpool seek to revamp their midfield, he is going to be a very necessary piece to uh, reinvigorate the struggling Liverpool central center of the park. Manchester United are looking to sign England standout Mason Mount from Chelsea Football Club. Uh, he has kind of sputtered in his time at Chelsea and will be look- looking to move on to um, as Eric Ten Hag, the manager at Manchester United, seeks to remake this club in his image and uh, improve the squad. Quick question, Ross. Yeah. <clears throat> What's like the off-season like for soccer? Because like, there's so many leagues, mm-hmm. so many games played. How long? Because you're talking about all these signings. Like, how long is the off-season between these leagues? Because it sounds like all these leagues that are in all these European countries, and apparently uh, o- o- across the pond here, yeah. there's all, even though they're all separate leagues, they play, their seasons play at a similar time. The so only everyone has a similar off-season? The only league that does not play the same time as the European leagues is MLS because we play 
we play April, sorry, March through November. They play August through May. So they, so they, they have they, June they, and July off. That's it. Yeah, June, July, and the first half of August off. Yeah, that is a short off season. Right. Well, they do. They but they do also take um, like a Christmas break. They do take periodic breaks throughout the season. Like for like for international games when players have to travel as well to play with their international teams for their country, they take breaks then too. Mm. Um, and unlike other sports where there's just one period, like one free agency period, mm-hmm. soccer has two free transfer periods. They have one, they have one in January, so all of month of January you can transfer. In the middle of the season. Yes. And then summer. Those are the two transfer windows. January. You can just leave summer. your team and go sign a new mm-hmm. contract with another team. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, that's only if some contracts, like they, some contracts have buyout clauses. Mm-hmm. Some contracts have buyout clauses, and some contracts where if the if the team just purchases, if the team, uh, like say Erling Holland, that really good player mm-hmm. at Dortmund, he had a buyout clause of sixty million euros. So if Manchester City gave Dortmund sixty million dollars to say, okay, now we can pay the price for him. Like now we, we can sign him. Right now we can end his contract with you, and now pay to sign him. Right. So that was so that, to pay the the club exactly to, to, for them to no longer have him and finish out his contract. Exactly. Makes sense. So that's how that works. So moving on, Real Madrid, the Spanish giants, seek to sign Harry Kane from Tottenham Hotspur to replace their legendary striker Karim Benzema, who is departing to the Saudi league, where former teammate Cristiano Ronaldo is currently playing at Al Nassr. Lionel Messi is seeking to return to Barcelona amid a tumultuous exit from Paris Saint-Germain where he was booed off the field in his final home game in Ligue 1 in the French top league. The world champ. The world champ, the reigning world champ, and probably going to be the winner of the Ballon d'Or, which is the golden ball, which is the world player of the year. Um, he. That's a thing. Yeah. A world player of the year. That's yes. a cool award to win. It is a very cool award to win. And it in is the biggest sport in mm-hmm. the world. And it has been won by Messi and um, Ronaldo, I think, every year except like one or two for the past like 15 years. One of those two guys one has won of, it? Yeah. They're that much better than everyone else? They are, very, they're, they are the two greatest players to ever play the game. Really? Yes. No question. Ronaldo has scored the most goals of, in, ever in soccer history. And Messi, you could say, is probably the, it's Messi. You could argue is the greatest player of all time. Like wow. he's very he great setup guy, great goal scorer. But none of them really play a defensive game. So, mm-hmm. But soccer is about goals, so that's where it goes. That's crazy, yeah. dude. And, but this other kid might start winning him. Erling Holland is. I I predict Erling Holland will break a thousand goals in his career. But do you think? So he won't win that award this year. Messi no. will win it. There is there is debate between Messi and Holland right now. Mm. I am going to if I had a vote, I would give it to Messi because he won his league and he won the World Cup. The World Cup is a once every four year tournament. If you are the best player in the in the World Cup and you win your league, you you need to win. Get you got this, it. You got to win this award. Um, Manchester City has defeated Manchester United. 2-1 to one in the FA Cup final behind a brace from captain Ilkay Hundoan. Hundoan scored 13 seconds into the game off an incredible volley. It was the, the fastest goal ever recorded in the FA Cup final. City have their final game of the season June 10th against Italians Inter Milan in the Champions League final, a tournament that Manchester City has never won. And Inter Milan last won the tournament in 2010 behind a brace from Diego Milito over Bayern Munich. That's all for our quick hits, Gideon. Sounds good, Ross. This is a good, solid episode. Short, sweet, to the point. Not a lot going on, but... Not a lot going on, but a lot of important things going on. Yeah. Because we got we got puck dropping in an hour and a half in game two of the NHL. Yep. And we get ready for I believe uh, Denver Miami tip off tomorrow night. Yep. Yeah. So Looking forward to that. It's not. Uh, no, no, I think because they played yesterday. There's two more days. Two more days. Okay. Very good. Or two days in between. So they will tomorrow's Tuesday. They yes. played s- Sunday. Yeah. Okay, so, so it is another day. day. That's right, because it's a three-day period now. For some reason. Yeah. yeah, for some reason. All right. So, with that in mind, 
Gideon, it's been a pleasure. Everyone, if you've listened, if please, uh, if you want to follow us, follow me on Twitter at Kingdom City KC. You can find also find us on Facebook. Look up our Facebook page of Kingdom City. It's been great, Gideon. As always, thanks for doing this. Thanks, man. Take what you've learned today, take it into your city, and change your city for the kingdom. I'm Ross. That's Gideon. Peace. Deuces. <laughs>